You're listening to Hope's Cast. This podcast is a space dedicated to self-growth and motivation. By sharing our truths and parts of our stories, we hope to inspire you to find your silver lining and tell your life's best story. Hello, everyone. Today I have with me Amina Musa. She's a fashion designer, a philanthropist, and she actually decided to morph two of those hobbies into creating a huge company called Pally Roots. Hello, Amina. How are you today? I am doing wonderful. How are you, Hope? Honestly, great now that I have you here and that we're getting this conversation going because I just think people are going to learn so much from our conversation today. Let's do this. I'm excited. So tell us a little bit about Pally Roots. I know it's gaining a lot more uh, traction now, but for people that may not have heard of the word, how can you explain it? So Pally Roots, let's break it down. Pally represents Palestine, which is my ethnicity, something that I'm so proud of and something that I feel like I've looked back on in terms of my personality and who I am today is that I'm Palestinian. And Roots is something that everyone can connect to. You know, your roots is what keeps you grounded and helps you understand your past, your present, and your future. So Pally Roots. So I started it three years ago, um, approaching four with my brother Hussein, who's also my cheerleader, my supporter, everything. I mean, my brother has been the rock for me since the day I've been born. And, uh, you know, I went to fashion school in Los Angeles called FITM. And uh, while I was in school, a lot of people were focusing on creating projects. Like, you know, it was pretty scattered. It wasn't really focused on one idea. But when I went to school, I knew I wanted to start a Palestinian brand, mainly because there weren't really any Palestinian brands, probably one or two, that never really spoke to me because I feel like the focus for those brands were more so the political side, which is still Palestinian. That is a part of our identity, but the big portion that was missing was that cultural side. That's something that I identified with more. And I wanted to share that with the world and wanted people to identify with being Palestinian much more than what's going on on the news, you know, but what's going on that our ancestors have taught us for many years and we can see that fading away. So we're going to recoup that, bring it back and create something really beautiful out of it. So that's kind of the idea of Pali Roots. But why Palestine? You know, it's such a small niche. Any business person would tell us, you know, this is too small. Why would you, why would you want to start something like this? And we remember that our grandfather, Sayyidina Abdul Ghani Kouk Musa, my grandfather, he left Palestine when he was 15. He left to find a better life, mainly because he knew that the future was in his hands. He was a very wise man. I mean, you, we could sit with him for hours and he would just tell you stories of him going in the sea and on a boat and arriving to Puerto Rico and, you know, selling blankets on the streets. I mean, he really struggled. So I knew the privileges that I have, that I had to do something for my people back, you know, back home. If I am giving this opportunity, I will share that success with my people by doing donations, having charity projects, bringing people together. So that's kind of the idea of Pally Roots. It's much more than just a brand. We are a movement. We've gathered people all over the world, Palestinian, non-Palestinian, Muslim, Christians, everybody from all ethnicities and religious backgrounds to connect under one roof, which is a message that connects us with our ancestors. And for the people that may have not seen the clothing line, that stuff 
is pretty dope. Like, <laughs> honestly, the material, I know you put so much time and effort into creating things that you would wear, things that are trending currently, they're comfortable. It's a mixture of this like hipster workout vibe. You could just really wear it anywhere. So you've done a great job of bringing together that awareness, but also in a way that people actually want to wear the clothing where they don't feel like they necessarily need to understand everything to just feel comfortable and beautiful wearing mm-hmm. that the products that you're selling. So That's right. Cool. I mean, it is, it's a conversation starter. I mean, if you walk around, we've turned a kufiya into a bandana or even a long sleeve and like, where'd you get that shirt? Cause you would probably see it in rap videos, but people are wearing kufiyas now. Um, and for me, I'm just like, man, nobody knows it's Palestinian. I'm, we're going to own it. We're going to make sure that people know this is Palestinian. So we're going to make everything kufiya. We're going to make socks. We're going to make bandanas, everything possible, lanyards. We're going to turn that into a product and that would be a conversation starter. So for those who do purchase from Pali Roots, they know when they buy something that it's Palestinian. And when someone asks them, whoa, where'd you get that? I got it from Pali Roots. It's a Palestinian brand. Wow, what does this print mean? Oh, on this print, I know that it means this because this is what I've been taught through Pali Roots. The fishnet on the kofia, if you were to look at it right now, it represents the sea, the fishermen's and those who produced or was a part of the agricultural, something that kept our economy in Palestine strong back in the days. And then you would see the olive prints. The olive prints represents, you know, the olives that are found amongst all of our land. Everyone owns a piece of land in Palestine and flourishes through olive oil and olives. And the bold lines represents the trading routes. So it's more of an agricultural scarf, but over the years it's turned into more of a political symbol, which is beautiful because that just shows that our culture is something that could be morphed into something else and to grow from our struggles and to grow from the lessons that we've learned. So that's something that you would only learn from Pali Roots because we're so focused on education and expressing that through our products. So that's that's kind of really Pali Roots. That's what we are. That's what we do. That's really, that's that's our biggest mission is that educational side. And that's awesome. I know personally, and I, I hope many people feel this way. It's so cool to learn about all the cultures and however we can just learn and be more open-minded. And you, you made me think of uh, the Super Bowl this year and how, or now it's it's going to be last year. Um, Shakira did the Zagret mm-hmm. where she did that thing with her tongue and everyone was so confused and they're like, what are you doing? And then for me, I thought it was so beautiful because, um, you know, my ancestors are Lebanese and, you know, really in any, I think, Middle Eastern um, country, wherever you're, you're from in the Middle East, I think you, I don't want to speak for everyone, but you might be familiar with that sound. And um, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. The whole world started to know a little bit about our culture. Exactly. It's like, I can imagine someone going on Google, what is Shakira doing with her tongue? (laughs) Like, what is she, what is she doing? And we actually made a post about this to say, like, just to culturally appropriate and say, hey, this is a Palestinian or a Middle Eastern thing to celebrate joy, but it could be found, you know, through many Middle Eastern cultures and something that we identify with. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of, you know, can you do the Zagreed thing? Can you do it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, let me back up so, a little bit. Well, show us. Let's, let's hear it. Let's oh, hear man, it. I'll have to back up. 
There you go. There you go. And what I like about yours is you put your hand over your mouth. So, I, you know, I think if she really did that, it would have been perfect. But, but anyway, I digress. I digress. I mean, I thought it was kind of funny, but I give her props for expressing the culture and I'm okay with it. You know, maybe needs a little lesson with me, Shakira. <laughs> if you need a little help, I got you. Yes, call us. We'll be able to do the whole thing with you. Um, that's that's honestly um, so powerful, just the whole idea. So we spoke about the fashion part of it and um, the culture, but can we just talk quickly about the philanthropy part? Because that's a huge portion and the reason that you decide to have a couple, actually a portion of these proceeds, if not majority of the proceeds going back to help the people that are struggling in that country. That's right. I mean, this is... And what we did with Pally Roots is achieving everything that I possibly wanted in this lifetime. And hopefully it credits my afterlife. So the idea behind Pally Roots was, again, wanting to do something back for our people. More than just educational, what can we do where we can make a physical difference and have people be a part of that change? When we first started, we started off by donating 10% of the proceeds. I mean, that was kind of something that... Many brands were doing, not just Palestinian, I mean, many other brands in the business world were like, oh, we're donating 10%, we donate 10%. But we didn't really see, we didn't really feel like the people understood really how big of an impact you're making. So we translated that and found a different way to reflect it. And we created the Pally Roots Meal Program. The Pally Roots Meal Program is powered by the people. When I first moved to America, or I mean, settled in America as a kid, um, I had some humble beginnings with my family. And I'm sure many of those who are listening grew up, you know, if you're an immigrant who just came from another country, wanting to a better life for in, in America, you probably lived off of food stamps. You probably lived off of governmental aid. And one of those things is when I would go to school, I'd go just an hour earlier to get breakfast in the morning and get lunch paid by the government because my family couldn't afford it. So when we were reflecting back on our humble beginnings, we thought of why can't kids in Gaza have that same treatment? Why can't the government pay for them? But the problem is, is when you, when you are a child growing up in a war-torn country, and um, basically in, in an open air prison where you're amongst 2 million people and there's not enough aid to be given to these kids, we figured that, hey, we're going to sponsor four schools, kindergartens, and we're going to provide them um, food for their schools. So we're basically the government. The people are the government. And we're um, allowing those to purchase from Palus to donate a meal, but we kind of built a program. So the more that you buy, the more that you can donate. So the first don't, you know, when you place an order, however much it would be, it would donate one meal. But if you were to donate, you know, if you were to buy $25, that's two meals, $50, that's three meals. And it just keeps going up from there. So when you shop through Palus, you'll see a little meal counter. So when you add stuff, it's like, hey, you just reached six meals. And it's something to truly celebrate because when you're buying something for yourself, something for yourself, you're initially giving it to another child. And these kids are eating like makloubla, mbukhiya, warakhanib, you know, like really good stuff. It's not something you'd see in America, you know, peanut butter, jelly sandwich, milk, yes. banana. It's something that they're more familiar with. 
And those foods have substance. Usually for anyone who's listening that aren't familiar with those foods, it's usually a rice base with some type of green on top, um, okra or green beans and a sauce and usually a protein. So yeah, they're going to be- Very nutritional food. I mean, we really focused on making sure that the food that they were getting was helping them because believe it or not, you know, some of these kids are obese. These kids are underweight or these kids are just having- uh, issues with their health and it's because their diets aren't really balanced they're not getting enough protein they're not getting you know nutritious food so what we did is we built that program where the women who make the food so what's beautiful I mean what I really love about this is that the money will directly go to our NGO partners Mecca and they hired women from you know rough backgrounds in Gaza to make the food so it's not only feeding these children but it's also helping these women you know, make a living for themselves and help their own families. So it's feeding two birds with one seed. I never like to say, you know, hit two birds with one one stone because I feel like it's violent. I'm more so, why can't we just feed the birds? We'll feed, you know, two birds with one seed. And that's initially what we're doing. That's awesome. And I feel really grateful and blessed to even have a friend like you and, and someone that inspires so much positivity, light, and just love to any community that you can help where you, you see that there is a a way to help. And uh, one thing that I, I think sticks with me of what you just shared was that you too, at a point were hungry and your origin story is very beautiful because you were a little displaced yourself. I believe at the time you were born, your parents were already American citizens, but they were visiting overseas in Palestine for a wedding or something. And your mm-hmm. mom was eight months and they wouldn't let her travel back. So you are actually born in Palestine. However, you were raised and you, you've lived as an American your whole life. Mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't that almost make it even more like inspiring or a push to really start this business and have this follow you your whole life? Mm-hmm. I mean, my seed was planted in Palestine, so it's always going to be home for me. And I don't think anything will ever change that. Even the strongest winds will not pull my seeds away. Um, you know, being born in Palestine. It took me a while to love um, because as a Palestinian citizen as well, I was unable to go visit my birthplace, Jerusalem. And with my passport, I was always denied year after year, but I'd always see that golden dome from the distance. I'd always see it and it would upset me because I knew I was born there. That's where my seed is planted and I have yet to go visit it. But that pushes me more. That pushes me more to encourage that there is a solution and that my generation will be the one to finally bring peace to Palestine. Finding a way to just just find a solution. And it's frustrating because, for me because I, I don't know what the solution is because I feel like our people are divided. I want peace and I want everyone to have the equal opportunity to live in Palestine because it's such a beautiful place. I mean, even if you're not Palestinian, you go there. You, you'll just rave about it, especially the West Bank, because if you enter a store, you're going to be greeted with food, water, drinks, massages, whatever it may be. <laughs> it's, there's no, you know, pal, you know, hospitality as much as the Palestinians. And it's not to compare to anyone, but it's just I know that when I go to Palestine, I will never sleep on the streets. I will never go hungry. There's no homeless population there. Everyone takes care of each other. And that's truly family. It's really family. And I wrote this poem once, how it talks about when you look into a Palestinian's eyes, even if their eyes are dark brown, you always see a hint of olive in them. It's that brightness. It's that joy that 
that a person experiences when they speak when they talk about Palestine. It's that beauty. The connection of Palestine to other people is reflected in the beauty of Palestine, not necessarily the struggles, in my opinion. But it could be the same. I mean, there's many outlets. There's not one definitive way of how to solve the solution of the Palestine and Israeli conflict. I think there are many ways. And we just have to find that way because I'm tired. You know, we're tired. The kids in Gaza are tired. Like everybody just wants to find that, that, that sanity and just want to live on. Life is too short. Thank you for just really opening up and sharing these personal parts of your journey, because I, I know it must be a struggle sometimes as well. Yeah. But you are only 25 and that's mind blowing <laughs> because you are successful. You have a great following on social media. You're, you're able now to provide for your family. Um, you currently are living in Chicago. Congratulations. You just got married. So yes. <laughs> you are now a resident. Welcome to Chicago. Um, but you we're living in San Diego with your family in the most beautiful place I've traveled to, La Jolla, and I'm sure you miss it dearly. Um, but tell me a little bit about how you were able to do all of this at such a young age. Oh, man, it's, I mean, to think about how I started is so difficult because I feel like there's so many aspects that allowed me to start. But if I were to take a step back, the first step is to start. I think a lot of people are so, you know, they're too much of a perfectionist. We're like, I need to get this done. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. And then I'll start. It's like, just start. Just, just do things one step at a time. You don't have to take jumps. You don't have to dive. Just one step at a time. And then sooner than you know it, you know, you started. And you won't even realize you really started until you launch your website. And then it's there. I remember when we launched Pally Roots in 2016, September 1st. So we're a week away from our fourth birthday, which is exciting. I remember I was taking product photos at midnight. And I was just taking, you know, I just had this really strange setup with this like piece of paper lighting from like my mom's like lights just unscrewed them and or my aunt's lights and unscrewed them and then just took some shots uploaded them I'm like hey Hussein it's 2 a.m but the photos are done <laughs> it was it's just like that that struggle and that journey is just something that I look back on I'm like that was such a good experience even though I remember being miserable but it's the fact that you are learning and progressing is the beauty of it all. And I know we've talked about the journey. I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. It's that journey of building a brand or building a business or just building an idea. Because essentially, you know, when you build something, it's something that you are passionate about and want to see it to come to life. So I would just say start. Do it. There's, there's nothing holding you back. Anything that you feel is holding you back is just an illusion of your alter ego telling you you can't do it, but you can. You really, really can. Look what you're doing. This is something you wanted. You're making it happen. You might have some struggles along the way, but you're making it happen. And that's that's the most important part is just to start. That's so true. And I think having a good community is so important as well. Just really picking the people that are going to inspire you, motivate you, and help you maintain your peace. I know we talk about that a lot, is having that peace, that inner peace, because we cannot control what happens around us. We cannot keep the waves from crashing. But when we have that really internal peace inside of us, everything 
kind of just comes together. And one thing I loved about meeting your family and being around you all in San Diego, I was like, is it in the sun? Is it in the water? Like, what is it here? Everyone's so smiley is that you have a lot of support and a lot of positivity. And it seems like your group are just so willing to do whatever it takes to make sure Amina is healthy and she is empowered enough to make the next best choice. And would you say that that stemmed from something that you had to learn for yourself? I mean, how do you how do you keep that peace? Even hearing you speak right now, I think the listeners will be able to se- to sense this just honey in your voice, this very <laughs> calm peace. And it's not something that changes. You're not putting on a, a facade just for the listeners. You really have been able to create this center for yourself. And even when I think you're off center, you know how to bring yourself back to it with the certain methods that you've created to, to maintain your peace. Yeah. Um, how do you find your peace or how did I find my peace? I remember a few years ago before I started Pally Roots, I was a very nitpicky person. Everything must be perfect. Um, and it drove me wild sometimes, times where I couldn't sleep. I'd lay in bed thinking about my tasks for tomorrow. Um, and I can still feel like that's happening to me now, but I've learned to kind of have that off switch and know where to prioritize my business versus my personal. I think that was my struggle for me is finding that peace and that balance between it. But finding, finding peace and how do you find that? For me, I've discovered the beauty of yoga. Um, and it's not just the actual movements, but it's that meditation side of it, the Shavasana. Um, I had, I went to one yoga class. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to really go to it. I'm going to see what it's all about. Everyone's raving about yoga here. And at the time I was just all about the gym. So I decided to go to one class and, you know, we're doing the exercises and breaking a sweat. I'm like, cool. I'm losing calories. And then she was like, okay, let's get into our Shavasana. I was like, what is it? What is, what is, what is a Shavasana? I'm like, let's, I'm like, my grandpa would be breaking jokes here now. So we lay down on our back and we just sat there for 10 minutes, laid down on our back and she's just speaking super softly. And I felt myself just sink into my own body. It was the first time that I felt my body. I've never been able to kind of tie my mind and my body together They've always been so separated and away from each other. And the moment I've aligned those together through that meditation, I've realized, wow, this is something that can actually help me when I feel like I am separated, when I feel like I'm losing control. So through that journey, I've discovered, you know, guided meditations. I've discovered books about meditation. And then that allowed me to find, you know, words of affirmations and books about the power of your mind and your subconscious and how to tie your subconscious with your conscious and just that discovery and that research allowed me to be this honey voiced you know calmed person Mm -hmm. Um, because back then I was just very you know anxious and wanted to solve things and wanted to fix things quickly and you know be nitpicky so it really allowed me to take a step back and to recognize that I have all the time in the world time does not exist I'm simply being and no one can change that. I'm in control of my own life and how I feel. That's how I found my peace is that realization, that spark. That's beautiful. And I think especially during this time, even after the pandemic subsides a little bit and hopefully there's a vaccine, people are really having to um, deal with emotional struggles, who they are, how finding their peace. And I think you're on that one side that's just, that's almost like you've crossed the finish line to that peace. But I know myself not being 
I've only crossed over maybe six months ago, but it made, oh my goodness, a world of a difference. You crossed. That's important. It's not about when you cross. It's the fact that you crossed. Right. I think that is the most beautiful part because again, when you go to a fireworks show, it's that spark that everyone's so interested in. So your spark is what I'm interested in to know that you've already sparked. When I meet someone that I know hasn't sparked, I'm like, I can't wait Mm -hmm. because it's in there. It's possible. It's not hard. It's challenging. I think that's the difference people need to break is that when you tell yourself that it's really hard for me to, to find my peace, that is automatically a building block in your mind. Your subconscious is going to be like, hey, there's this wall here because it's really hard. I'm not going to find my peace. I'll never find it because I'm an anxious person, because I'm this, because I'm that. And you're going to just keep lying to yourself. But the moment you tell yourself, I think it's challenging to find my peace, a challenge is something that you could overcome. So the moment that you overcome that challenge, you'll start to find your spark and you'll start to see that your life slowly unfold without even you noticing it. It's because your subconscious mind is working for you and your conscious mind's like, whoa, this is different. But it's you're really doing nothing but using your mind and fixing, you know, unlearning and learning new things. That's really what it is. And I remember in a previous conversation, you saying that a lot of those ideas sparked from a book that you read. And if I can speak on your behalf, would you say this is still your favorite book called Power of the Subconscious Mind? Yeah. Power of Subconscious Mind. I mean, the amount of times I've recommended that book, I should have gotten like a link, (laughs) made some cash out of it. But the power of the subconscious mind, I think the biggest takeaway from that book is words, the power of words. Um, There's many books about it, but it was just that book that I picked up. It was recommended by a friend of mine. And, um, For a long time, it was on my shelf. I was like, this is a really hard book to read. I'm not going to read this book. There are too many big words that I cannot understand. And then one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to just pick it up for a little bit. Yeah, there's words I don't understand, but I can read between the lines and understand. So if there's a book that intimidates you, really just try to read it and understand it. And if you don't understand it, you have Google, you have things that you can look up um, and to kind of build your idea of what it is. A book can be read and be translated in many other ways. It's what it means to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I read the book, I asked myself, I'm like, wow, words. That's where I found the difference between the word challenging and hard. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to switch it. I'm going to say, this is challenging. Um, Words like I would wake up in the morning and I would say my affirmations. And my most recent affirmation is I will not let the external world affect me. And that is perfect to what's happening today with COVID um, where, you know, this is, you know, this is the numbers anti-maskers are raving and, you know, there's just so much chaos going on in the world. And I realized that I've been so affected by what's happening around the world, even though my house is peaceful. Mm -hmm. And for me, I found that balance of saying, okay, I know what's happening in the world. I know I have to be responsible. I know because I have a voice on Pally Roots that I need to make sure that the community is following the guidelines, but I will not let the external world affect me. Mm-hmm. And that's allowed me to wake up in the morning and be like, the world will not affect me. I'm going to make my coffee. I'm going to sit down, do my work, play some music, and then just let that kind of come in and let that just roll like waves. That's really what it is. And that's really powerful. And for people that are really suffering with that, where would you say that they could start on their journey of peace or what are some tools that have helped you? Um, from a personal suggestion, I would say just 
go on Spotify, go on YouTube and look up guided meditation and do this alone. Don't meditate with other people, uh, especially if it's your first time, because you might have someone that's really not taking it seriously and start cracking jokes. And that ruins your cool. That ruins your flow. So you need to make sure you're alone, put some headphones on, let your family know, hey, listen, I just need 10 minutes on my own and just lay down on the floor. Not your bed because you're going to, you know, knock out, but you need to lay on your floor, you know, scalp your back, you know, just like. Be really comfortable, find your space, and then you're going to pretend that there is this chemical going, you know, entering your mind, slowing down your brain, and your eyes are closing, your tongue is relaxed, your ears are relaxed, your nose is relaxed. You can relax your nose, by the way. Just (laughs) many people are like, like, no, relax your nose, relax your tongue, your jaw, your throat, your shoulders, and just pretend this chemical is going through and relaxing you. That's when you'll start to feel like your body and your mind is aligned. And through that, um, you'll start to discover. Now, I'm not going to tell you it's easy to find, you know, that alignment. It takes time and everything takes time. So it's going to be challenging at first, but knowing that you can overcome it, just, just put effort into it. Just start. If you want to find your peace, just start. That's my advice because there's millions of ways to start. That's just my recommendation, but there's millions of ways to start. And I remember us saying too that books are so helpful and that at every stage there's like a book that will transition you from point A to point B. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if that still holds true, but I think books are just... And now it's podcasts, but really being able to learn knowledge and wisdom from somebody you think might have um, a little secret or tip to help you get to that next step. It's that one tip that's completely changed me in that book. There's another book called The Big Leap, and that leap is kind of overcoming your fears. Um, So that book helped me overcome my fears Mm -hmm. and that book helped me understand the subconscious mind. And it's just like every, every book that I read, I've always found that I could take one thing and be like, okay, this is something I really need to apply to my life and change it. Uh, So it's not about taking a book and completely understanding it and living by it and breathing it. No, just take something that you like from it. You're like, Hey, I really like this. I'm going to, I'm going to apply it to my life. It's the same thing like the Quran, the Bible, you take something you're like, I think this really resonates with me. You don't have to take the whole thing, but you could take a part of it and and apply that to your life. That's really what it is. And for me, it was the alchemist. I think when I was not sure if I could stop the job that I had for the job that I wanted or I knew was the next step. Maybe it's not the ultimate reading that book and following this character's journey to, to finding his purpose. I was like, whoa, it's really about the journey. And it's really like you said about making that next step and the next right step and then the next right step. And, and I just think that's great. I'm I, really I, happy you read that book. Cause I can see how you've evolved, even though I've known you for such a short time that You've understood the book and you took it as what you feel are struggles in your life and you've applied them. Because when I read The Alchemist, it was totally different. What I read from it was understanding my omens. And uh, I don't know if I pronounced that right, but Mm -hmm. if I did or didn't. The omens. The omens. But that is something that I took from the book because I felt like that was missing within me. But you found a different purpose in the book because it's something that you struggled with. So books, like I said, can be broken up and taken the way that they want depends on the reader and what they are looking for. But the fact that you are searching is the first step. You're searching for that change within yourself. 
Yes, to all you listeners out there, whatever your struggle is, think about how there could be a solution. And I think from this, it's just taking that next step, whether it's listening to a podcast about it, reading a book about it, doing the work, I definitely think is important. Absolutely. And I keep saying this, I think, on every podcast. It's it's a constant thread with like successful conversations. It's we don't always highlight the work and the struggle that goes in behind the scenes to create that beautiful thing that we put out into the world to those beautiful posts. And, you know, even as, as yourself, you, you are a beautiful woman. If you haven't seen her picture, look her up. She's beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, now you're married. You are very successful. You do have a lot going for you. And there might be people that look at you on the surface and say, oh, well, Amina's just perfect. Or Amina's just lucky. Or Amina just has this. Or she just has her parents. And all the circumstances just made her life so perfect. I could never have that. And I know for me, that is just... It's it's freeing and it's also very important to realize that nobody has it all together. And I do think for you as well, there have been your own struggles. And what would you say to those people that are like, oh, well, you're just perfect or you just have it all together. So you wouldn't understand how I feel. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I project in the outside world is only 5% of who I truly am. Um, and I'm guilty of being those type of people who are many of the people on social media who only show the good sides. Um, I have many good sides, you know, many good things that happen to me in my life, but I choose not to share them because that's personal to me. I have many bad things that happen, but that's personal. I keep it to me. I only like to show a little bit. And what I like to show is something that motivates you. You know, my captions are all about, you know, relationship advices or finding your peace or just really, you know, finding a way to to be a page that's beneficial to people. So you're only seeing that mentoring side of me, but I have so many other sides. I'm a total goofball. Like I'm, I'm a straight up weirdo. And I'm so proud of that because that allows me to be so comfortable with anybody and not really caring about what anybody thinks about me. So when you know, people make the assumptions of who I am and what I'm not or, and I, for me, I can understand their frustration because I feel like that's something within them. And mainly if it's women who are, you know, projecting that information, I'm proud that these women are finding their voice to say something. The fact that they're having a voice, whether it's negative, positive, you want to criticize me, my work, whatever, you know, if you're a woman saying something, I'm like, I'm proud of you. You know, you have a voice and eventually it'll evolve as you age. I just feel like I'm a mind in a 45 year old. My, I'm, I feel like I'm very, I would say ahead of my age because mm-hmm. I've experienced and read so much and seen so much. And had a lot of conversations with people of all, you know, all struggles for me to kind of pinpoint and understand everyone from all backgrounds. And give them a benefit almost of we can't always understand how people act, but we can just take it as, okay, well, that wasn't necessarily in line with what I would do, but I'm not sure what experiences or what hardships they've had to gone have had to go through to make them act this way. And that's not really for me to dissect or understand but it's more almost to accept and just to, to go with yeah it. I mean I, I I don't owe anyone an explanation as to who I am only myself so if I had someone who who wanted to make accusations about me or say hey you know you have it because you're lucky or this and they don't really see the hard work that I've done I just nod I'm like all right that's what you think that's fine Mm-hmm. If you want to ask me questions as to how I got here, I'll help you out. But if you're going to automatically make assumptions without even having a conversation with me, I'll cut the conversation. Mm-hmm. It won't be there because it's the first thing is the first approach. If you don't have, if you have a bad, you know, if you have a bad approach, I'm not going to give it the time of the day. Why? Because I value my time 
and I know that time is limited and I have a potential of 60 some years to live and I'm not going to go spend it on someone who does not take that extra second to think before they speak. Right. And would you also encourage those people that maybe don't have a bad um, approach or bad intentions, but also just feel really low to remind them that, hey, we, we really did all struggle. And do you mind actually sharing some of your struggles? I know one of the biggest for you is your true self and it was incorporated with your time in high school and also wearing a hijab. And, and really, I think you sharing that, hey, you had struggles too, might open them up to new possibilities or even a little less sour to maybe what their circumstances are to, to create a better circumstance. Yeah, for definitely. I mean, when I was in high school, um, I lived in an area that was predominantly, you know, white. And I was the only person wearing a hijab at my time. And I love the hijab. Even till now, you know, I don't wear it, but I just love it. I call it the crown of the head. It truly, it truly is. So for me, being a non-hijabi, I will not walk by someone wearing a hijab and not say, Salaam Alaikum peace be upon you. I think that's the most beautiful thing to say. Um, and you know, sometimes I'll get it back. Sometimes I won't, maybe they didn't hear it. Maybe they were off guard, but the fact that I said, I said it completes me because I feel like the, you know, the identity that I had to break out of in high school was, Hey, me wearing a hijab was not for me. It was for God. So it's, I'm not going to tie a hijab with my personality. My personality is that I'm a colorful, bubbly person who just loves to wear a billion colors. I was that person that looked almost walked into school like a clown wearing so many colors. I had flowers in my hijab. I remember putting clips in my hijab. I was just some, you know, I was an AP art. You know, I was one of those kids who just loved investing into my art and um, kind of identifying myself. But being, being, you know, an Arab Muslim wearing a hijab who's just absolutely different from everybody. I wouldn't say weird. I'm a very different person. I started to be self-conscious about myself because I didn't have friends. Um, and if I had friends, I would slowly lose friends. And I moved so much as a kid. So I really, I was like, what do I want to be? I tried to be a dancer in high school and I tried to be this and I tried. And I think if you are a high schooler, you know, listening to this, you're going to go through so many phases at this stage because you're discovering yourself. So if I were to look at my past struggles versus my current struggles are totally different because as a human, you will always have struggles. And once you solve one, you're going to get another one. You're going to get another one. And it's not necessarily about knocking them out. It's about overcoming. It's like, okay, what's next? Okay, what's next? Let's do this one next. So that's me as a child trying trying to understand who I am and you know getting to where I am right now but one thing that's never changed is me being Palestinian like that's like I've always incorporated that into my style the way that I talk where are you from first thing I would say it's Palestine mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just more it's more than just awareness um because as a kid I didn't really understand what was happening in Palestine but it was just something that my parents were like oh you're Palestinian yeah it's so cool and being Palestinian is cool and I feel like a lot of kids sh shy away from saying they're Palestinian because they don't want to like stir up something but say it proudly loudly whatever you want but I would say my current struggle right now because I'm going to talk about my current struggles is that as a businesswoman and as a person who has so many things that they love to do, like, you know, I love climbing, I love cooking, I love hanging out with my husband, I love doing random stuff. And then my business side, I had to find that balance. And that balance has been such a struggle for me for many, many years. Um, the moment I started Pally Roots, I was single. 
wasn't talking to anybody. And I was all about like working, 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 designing, working, designing, working. And the moment I like met Muhammad, which is my husband now, um, I was like, oh, I have to take some of my business time and put it into this, you know, person and get to know him and really understand who he is. And then, you know, my balance would be off where I'm like, oh, you know, I'm in dreamy land, you know, talking to Muhammad. <laughs> I was like, ding, you know, he's really cute. He's sweet. And I'd forget my work. And I'm like, oh, no, I got to remember my work. And then he'd be like, hey, where'd you go? I'm like, oh, I got to work. So for me, I was like, how do I balance those two? How do I balance my business, my work life versus my personal life? So one thing that Muhammad and I do is when we get home, we really we don't talk about work. We're like, how is work? Good. Work? Good. Okay. Let's yeah. talk about something new because the rest of your day, you talk about like, Hey, you know, I had this idea or, Oh, you know, I saw this today and it really interests me. So it makes more space for the relationship side. So if you're in a relationship and you feel like work is consuming both of you guys and you're bringing that to work, try to find a way to find that balance. And it's okay if it kind of goes off, you know, you might have a busy season, but at least letting your partner know, hey, I'm going to have a really busy month. I'm still going to be here for you. But I also just need to let you know that communication side. Mm -hmm. So that's I'm almost, you know, I feel like I'm at the end of that struggle. And then I'm just waiting for the new one to come in. I know exactly what you mean. And I think definitely balance is so important. And, and I know you have such a tight schedule with work and then now adding in your husband. But I think with anyone anywhere in any relationship or period, if you're working, there's that work-life balance. And I think it's so difficult to to balance out. But like you've said, and, and what I'm learning actually myself, because I've just gone through it and I'm like, okay, hope, do what it takes not to burn out. Because when you get there, you're just not a good version of yourself and just constantly working at it. And for myself, I have actually started creating like lists of what I want my life to look like and what work I have to do to have that. So like for me, it's having 30 minutes to an hour of yoga, meditation, and prayer a day, and then an hour to work out. And I want that to be like peacefully in my schedule, mm -hmm. as well as being able to travel. Like just those little things. And mm -hmm. then obviously you can't just like wake up one morning and you have that, but working towards what job, what life can I have so that I feel balanced enough to be a good person to the people that I have to live with or spend time with and not constantly be like, angry and upset because that's kind of what I'm learning as I ab absorb and observe the world. There's so many people are really focused in on their situation and they let that spew out everywhere. And sometimes it's just like almost like a really bad smell from a trash can. And I don't yeah. ever want that to spew out from me. I always want it to be like flowery and positivity. And I think that takes a lot of work to cultivate that's and to, right. to bring out. I mean, you're, if, even if you do find yourself in your burnout, um, at least acknowledging that you've burnt out and looking back and saying, okay, I burnt out because A, B, and C, I need to learn from my lesson next time. So it doesn't happen. The thing is, is people make mistakes and they're like, oh, I made a mistake. Oh my God, I'm a terrible person. If you didn't go through a mistake, you wouldn't grow. You need to make mistakes. You need to fall before you get back up and getting back up, you grow up taller and higher and higher. It's kind of like you think about as a kid, you know, when you're first learning to walk, you know, you're falling and you're <laughs> falling again and then you're walking and then you're walking. Soon, you know, you're like running. Right. And while you're going through this journey, you're you're growing 
physically. I mean, as a kid. So you kind of take that analogy and be like, okay, every time I fall, I know I'm going to get better. I know I'm going to get better. So if you, if I know now with Pally Roots, I mean, why we started it, we're making a lot of these mistakes and we're like, you know what? That's great because the next thing that we start, we know not to do this. And it's kind of like this test and trial error. And um, that's that's helped me overcome like that perfectionist side of me too, is that when we hire people, I'm like, no, you have to do it this way and you do this way and you have to do it. And it's just like, they can't, they're like, I can't mm-hmm. work with you, Amina, you're you're too much. I'm like, okay, let things go, Amina. Really just yep. let things go. Let it be okay. And I'm like, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Keep going. <laughs> and then let them fall and let them learn. It's okay. You know, even though it's like Pally, which is my baby, I'm like, please, like, be careful with this. I like to see them kind of make grow. their own mistakes and be like, okay, this is how you're going to do it and kind of grow. And I feel like one person that I've really, um, who's like my sister now is Zaina. Um, she does our social media management for Pally Roots. And I'm so proud of her because when she first started, she had no design background. Um, and, you know, f- seeing her evolve into like a designer that's even better than me and finding content for Palestine. And it's just outgrowing that teacher. Um, I'm, a, I'm a proud teacher. I'm really proud of her and what she's done. But in the beginning, I was really nitpicky and I really had to let it go because it stopped her creativity mm-hmm. and wouldn't allow her to be the person she is today. So that was kind of like a story that I feel like I can reflect on. And that's great leadership advice because I think um, I'm not there yet. I'm still, you know, creating so many different things. But I do think about, you know, eventually letting myself take a step back from this or that to to create that piece and that idea of how I want my life to look. And I do think a lot of leaders have a very hard time with micromanaging. And I know that I'm able to create and produce the best work when I don't feel pressured by my boss or by somebody or I feel judged or I feel like they're just banking on me not succeeding. But when I'm able to just be in that space of like, okay, hope, just create it's so much better. And that goes along for anyone who does own a brand that is hiring creative artists, um, whether it's a designer or a photographer, let them do them. If you were to tell them, oh, I want this and I want that and want this, you can direct them a little bit and help them find that spark and ignite it for them. But don't do it for them because you're not allowing those people in your company to grow. And that's so important because I've talked to so many videographers and photographers who are like, I love you as a client because I feel like I'm still doing what I want to do. And not being tied to people are like, oh, I want a commercial and I want this and I want that. I want this lighting. And they're like stressed out. They can't mm-hmm. do it the way that they want because that's not what they're used to. So when you have a creative and you're working with them, just be super chill. Let them do what they want. Advise them and just go with the flow with them because they are very right. Like, you know, they use the right side of their brain. And the moment that you try to get their technical side, you're going to mess. You know, it's going to be slush in there. So that's definitely one thing about, you know, being a leader. And I've been taking some leadership, um, I wouldn't say courses, but a device from a wonderful woman named Dima, who has given me so much knowledge in regards to how to handle criticism and hate, how to be a better listener, how to be empathetic, and how to really just be, you know, a leader. And that's just what happens is that we need to learn from each other because that's essentially how we grow. And that's why I created this podcast, because I was learning through all the conversations I was having with successful people or people that I look up to, they all have these little, like, I'm going to keep saying this. So sorry, listeners, but we're cracking the codes of life and they have the little codes and I'm just trying to collect them all in my backpack. <laughs> and um, I, I just really wanted to share that with a lot of people because I think collectively we, we do struggle more than we 
want to say or post about. Um, and I really appreciate you sharing those little tidbits here on this podcast. I think it's really important. And, and just reminding people that we have haters too. We have people that dislike us. We get mean comments. We get bad comments. But I just want to give a second to that because I think that's something that you've been dealing with and I'm recently starting to deal with now that I'm, I'm becoming a little bit more known in whatever the sense you want to think of that as. And, mm-hmm. and for me, it's really just remembering that everyone has an idea of who you are, but you really know who you are and making sure the circle around you is is healthy is what's the most important. And a lot of times those people that are messaging something mean would never say it in person. And I'm almost like, why don't you just say it to me and we can talk it through. But you know, those people sometimes don't have the courage to do so. So my advice on that point is just give out the positive energy. You reap what you sow. And if you keep putting out the love and you ignore the hate, I think ultimately as hard as it is, it will fade away because you'll just be so focused on the positive. I don't know if you have anything to say about that. One hundred percent. I mean, um, first things first is my my support group is just like, you know, hard as diamonds, like that hard. Uh, my mom, my mom is just like my fuel, really, like same. physically and same, mentally, same. spiritually. My mom is my fuel. Same. My dad is is how do you? My dad is like my my brain. He really is my brain. My brain, my brain is built by my dad. He programmed it. was like an extension. It's almost like connected. He really did. He built me to be a very empathetic person. He's like, Hey, Amina, when you have a bowl of cherries and you have one last cherry, you always offer that cherry. So for me now, when I see someone not offer me the last cherry, I'm like, what? Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm like, you got to offer it. And I think my dad told me this. He's like, he's like, you know, if I haven't seen you in three months and that's the longest I've been away from my family. And uh, he was watching my Instagram stories and he said, I, I watched your Instagram story and I finally understand what it means like to be a viewer, someone who sees you. And he's like, you just look beautiful. Aww. He's like, I can't even, for me, I would see you be like, oh, my daughter's beautiful. But he's like, I would see you. I'm like, wow, this girl's really beautiful. The way that she's talking, how her eyes are lighting up. He's like, I just noticed things I've never noticed. He's like, I love you. Even if you weren't my daughter, like, that's how much I love you. And my brother, again, is just like my rock. He, you know, anytime I have problems, he's there. He's like, what's up? Let's break it down. My sister, Ayat, is just like my goofy self. Ahmad is my goof. He's just like Hassan. Like Hassan is a videographer, by the way. Shout out to Sound Shoots. I mean, the coolest videographer ever. And he's only 20, 20. Wow. Just completely killing Your the game. Your whole family, like I said. And that's what it really takes. And for those people that don't necessarily have it at home, cultivating that family. But for sure, like you've been very blessed with, your whole family is so cool. Like I can sit down yeah. for hours with any one of those family members of and it'll be a great moment. They're all so. amazing. I mean, Asala too. I, I call her my sister from another mother because she grew up with me. But I mean, I just love all of them. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And before I let you go, um, I really like to wrap it up with advice that you would give either your younger self or advice you'd give yourself before starting a project. What's some advice that you wish that you knew something you wish you could share with the world? Mm, Wow. There's lots of things, but I think one of those things is that, like I've mentioned before, your time is limited here on earth. And if what you're doing, you know, in this lifetime is not affecting your afterlife, you need to rethink some things. And we know whether you don't believe in the afterlife or not, have a modem, a goal for even after things are gone, what are you going to do? What are you, who are you going to be? And really focus on that. And last but not least, 
someone's working smarter than you. So what are you going to do about it? You got to work harder. We don't have forever. And when you do leave, there's going to be people remembering you. And what are they going to remember you for? And what are you going to leave behind? And I think mm-hmm. that that's so important. But yeah, what there's always someone working smarter. So yeah, you got to work smarter. <laughs> you don't have to work hard. Damn, just chill. <laughs> but definitely put yeah. in the work to get what you want. Because yeah. once you get there, man, I know for you, same for me. It's, it's great. sky high. Mm-hmm. You feel great. Well, thank you so much for being on here today. Thank you, Hope. And I hope you have the most continued success and just peace forever. Forever. I'm in that. (laughs) Thank you. Please send in recommendations for topics or guests. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Hope on TV. Thank you to Trouble Recordings for powering this podcast. You can listen to more episodes on HopeSalmon.com.